This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right, here we go. A full hour is promised. Pelicans Roundtable. Talk of the country in sports on Super Bowl week, which is amazing, is the Anthony Davis trade request. Again, Anthony Davis informing his teammates first and then his representatives informing the front office that he will not sign any contract extension over the summer or ever with the Pelicans, and he is requesting a trade out of here. Now, the trade deadline is February 7th. That doesn't leave them a lot of time before that deadline, but they would also have this summer to explore trade options, and frankly, that might be the better way to go. So I've talked about it. We've talked to you the first hour. Now let's bring on in Jake Madison, host of the Locked on Pelicans podcast, LockedOnPelicans.com, and Scott Alexander, host of Primetime Sports on WLAE and CST Television, and also the COO of NOLA Gold Rugby. Fellas, what's going on? Uh, uh, look, uh, not a day that I thought would come now. I guess maybe we thought it eventually would get here, guys. Jake, what's up, buddy? <laughs> how's it going, Scott? How's it going, Seth? Happy to be on with you guys talking some hoops. Yeah, not the situation, I guess, that we would want. Like, like, to start it off here, when you guys heard the news that Anthony Davis had requested a trade and said he will not be back here, what were your thoughts? Jake, we'll start with you. Yeah, you know, this was in the works. It's been a long time coming, certainly. You know, this team wasn't winning. They're six games out of the eighth seed in the Western Conference with five teams ahead of them for that final spot. This isn't what one of the top five players in the league has wanted for a very long time. He's been here now seven years. It'll be two trips to the playoffs, five total playoff wins. This is a guy who for years has talked about his legacy and wanting to win and wanting to go down as one of the best players of all time. And that's not going to happen when you're in this type of situation. And I think he just kind of realized today is the day we need to kind of make a move so I can cement my legacy and I can try and give the team enough time to get me to a winner. What about you, Scott? Uh, not surprised in the least. Honestly, when it happened, I, I, I knew it was coming. I didn't know what day it was going to be, but you, you knew this was happening. I mean, once the, the, the team got to where it is now, 22-28, I mean, they're, they're out of it. Um, I, I thought they could make a run, you know, but then you got the injuries to not just Davis, but Randall and then Meritage. It's like, okay, this is just, it's not a matter of if, it's just a matter of when they're going to be out of the playoff chase. And, it, you know, I resolved myself to this a while ago. I just was hoping that they could make that run. I think fully healthy, they could have. Honestly, I truly believe that. I think they'd be a 28-20 team right now, uh, maybe even 38-30 in a, 30 and 18, whatever, I just thought that they could be a good team. But right now, they're not. And then when you don't have your players in the NBA, it's not like losing a couple in the NFL where you have a bunch of guys that can make it up. It's just a fact. You're not going to win games. So now that it's over, um, you know, I, I didn't expect him to be around. I, I have to be honest with you. There's so many factors that, that go into this. You know, and I'm a New Orleanian, but I've, I've lived everywhere else. And I know what the big-time players want. And, you know, New Orleans, if, if they had been a winner, that's been one thing, but 
the fact is we're in a small market. It's not an attractive place to come for a free agent. We can we can say that all we want. We know it's the greatest city in the world, but these these aren't people that are digging New Orleans. They like being here, but it's not like somewhere that's oh my goodness, L.A., you know, Chicago, New York. These are big time market cities. And and I remember having the same conversation literally seven eight years ago when I was living in Atlanta still. And I remember talking to everyone about the same talk that was Chris Paul. And I remember saying, quite frankly, this doesn't surprise anybody in the NBA except the people living in New Orleans. That's that's just a hard fact. But it is what it is, and, and now we're here. Now you just got to get get what you can for him because uh, that's going to be the next next story in this this uh, the sad saga. Well, look, we've got nine hundred different angles to cover here, and I guess since you mentioned the talent on the team, Scott, we'll start there. And, and I still, I will still push back on anybody who says, and I'll get to Dell Demps in a second. Everybody who's been listening to the show knows, and you've probably seen it, I think he should be fired. He's run his course here. Uh, there's lots of blame to lay at his feet. That said, anybody who takes the stance, in my mind, that this team did not surround Anthony Davis with talent, I think that they aren't telling the truth. This year, he has more talent around him than James Harden has. He has more talent around him, much more talent than LeBron basically ever did in Cleveland, I am sick and I am tired of the storylines that Anthony Davis has never had any talent around him. I think that is completely bogus, guys. I just I can't stand those those storylines anymore. I can take that right now if you want to. Yeah, listen, Dell Del has made some mistakes. Okay, and everybody thinks I'm an apologist for the Pelicans. I'm a punk, Dell. I'll just brow it. Fact of the matter is, dude, you have had talent here. He has made some really good deals, and not in the playoffs without, without that American seal at the end. He got Randall very quickly this year. That guy's a really good basketball player. Say what you want about what they trade away for Drew Holiday. The guy's a fantastic player, and he kept them through a contract. Um, there's been a lot, and I mean a lot, more good deals than bad deals that the guy has made. But you can't deal with chemistry can't deal with injuries and I know it's part of him to get the chemistry right but still they've had some flashes of brilliance here it just wasn't enough and the fact is you knew you had to win you probably had to win by the all-star break and that's now become evident and uh, when you had the brash of injuries at the beginning of the season two starters out for extended period and now three out when it mattered to get this thing right righted when you had a chance to get some wins like the Pistons and Spurs at home you know you just weren't going to win without your three best big men out there, and this is when the, the time has come. It just might have been inevitable anyway, but if they had maybe even won those games, you'd be at 500, you might be talking something different right now. That's how fragile this whole situation is. They know that now the, the Pelicans are likely out, and this is a perfect time. As a former agent, I'm telling you, this is a perfect time for that agent to do this because he's not only helping AD, he's actually helping the franchise. Yep. He's saying, hey, you know it's not happening now. Do what you can and get what you can. Now, AD doesn't want to leave the cover bare. He doesn't want to screw the Pelicans. But I can't blame the guy for wanting to go get wins. And this is where it is in the NBA. And quite frankly, I'm old enough to vividly remember the Kareem Abdul-Jabbar trade. And it's pretty much the same thing when he was with the Milwaukee Bucks, who, by the way, he won a championship with. He forced his way out of there, gave up four serviceable players, but everyone to this day, and it's going to be the same as whoever we get for Anthony Davis, says that's one of the worst trades in history. Although two or three of those guys were really good. The fact is, they weren't Kareem, and nobody you get in this trade will come anywhere near being Anthony Davis. 
Jake, what about the talents around Anthony Davis? Do you think there was enough there this year in prior years to win more than they have? Uh, yes and no. I think that's a complicated question. Certainly there's more talent around him this year than in years past, but that's just this year. Throughout his career here, there has not been – Go back two seasons ago to the year they made the trade to bring in DeMarcus Cousins and look at minutes played uh, total and, and sort them by that. You have Salmon Hill be number two, Drew Holiday three, each one more four, Dante Cunningham's five, Tim Frazier's six, Terrence Jones is seven. That's not enough talent to win very many NBA games. Go to the season before that. It's Ryan Anderson, Dante Cunningham, Holiday, and then fifth is Alonzo G. You're not going to make the playoffs when Alonzo G is playing the fifth most minutes for your team. They have not done a good enough job, and there's a reason why in the Rich Paul announcement saying that Anthony Davis wants to be traded, that it's he wants to go to a team that wins consistently. They've had moments where they put good rosters around him. Yes, they have. They've made the playoffs twice with him here, but they haven't done it consistently in seven years, and I think that's kind of the big thing. Make no mistake, he's wanting to stay here, and he was hoping the Pelicans would give him every opportunity to stay stay here and even at the start of this year he was undecided on what he wanted to do even maybe as uh recently as two months ago but the lack of winning has absolutely just kind of had enough for him and he doesn't think that that's going to change anytime soon and he doesn't think that general manager del dent can get this done to build a better winner around him anytime soon and that's one of the reasons he wants to leave he shoulders a lot of blame in this too so does ownership so does coaching even when this team was healthy this year other than that four game start to the year they weren't winning. Their defense was still bottom five in the league when healthy for that middle part of the season a couple of weeks ago that they have. You're not going to win very many games doing that. It's not only just talent around him. It's maximizing that talent and making the most of it. And the New Orleans Pelicans have failed to do that. It's Jake Madison of the Locked on Pelicans podcast. Scott Alexander of WLAE and CST's Primetime Sports joining us as well. Uh, we're going to take a break. Much more to come here on our Pelicans roundtable involving the Anthony Davis trade request. We'll get into the front office and Dell Demps. And also your phone calls, 504-260-1870. If you want to ask the fellows a question, you can hop on in here. Area code 504-260-1870. And our text line is 870-870. I'm Seth Dunlap. The last lap and our Pelicans roundtable continues after this. It's our Pelicans roundtable all hour long. Jake Madison of the Locked On Pelicans podcast. Scott Alexander of Primetime Sports on WLAE and CST joining us. And fellas, uh, let's get to um, – and we just lost Jake uh, Madison. Uh, so we will go ahead. Actually, I'm going to wait to ask you about Jake. So this will be a f- perfect time to squeeze in Tony in Mid-City. Tony, you got a question here for uh, Scott – Jake and myself. Quick question uh, about the uh, Pelicans. I think uh, Monty uh, uh, Williams. They, sh- you know, they should have never got rid of him as, as the head coach. I think he had the team going in the right direction. Uh, they brought the coach we have in now, and Dell Demps. You know, I don't know if his hands are tied with uh, Mickey Loomis uh, has his hands in it. Either this guy's bum as a general manager or Mickey Loomis doesn't know what he's doing. I mean, what's your take on that? Well, I, I think Monty Williams, his epitaph, maybe a little um, – remembers him a little more fondly than he should. Remember, he was pretty futile in his final four seasons as head coach. A sub-400 winning percentage in 2011 and 2012 – didn't make the playoffs in 2013-14, so that's three seasons, and then snuck into the playoffs and then got swept in an embarrassing performance 
by the Golden State Warriors. So I I, I do not hey, think hey, Monty hey, Williams hey. was the answer. That wasn't embarrassing against the Warriors. Are you kidding me? It, it was. You got swept, Scott. I mean, is no, that not? It was not embarrassing. I'm you sorry. Every game, each of those games was super competitive, and they were up by 20 going into the fourth. I mean, this is the best team in the world, and they played them better than anybody throughout the playoff. I mean, they played some pretty good basketball. Listen, I'm, I'm just gonna call it what it is. You can look now and say, oh, 4-0. But they 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 competed in that that playoffs and they looked pretty good to me. Okay, well I don't I don't want to look back on that. That was just a caller why we lost you two guys. But let's talk about Dell Demps here, guys. Uh, first, is he going to have a job tomorrow? And should he hang on to this job for much longer? Uh, Scott, we'll start with you. He's definitely going to have a job tomorrow. I mean, listen, the season isn't over. They're not going to fire him just because they made this announcement. Um, they're going to let it go through the season. I think obviously the odds on. Everybody in the in the the city of New Orleans and probably the the country is thinks that when the AD's gone, he might be too. And I'm not saying he won't be. There's a good chance he will. But the bottom line is, it's kind of how crazy we are about how fickle we are. It's like all of a sudden everybody was like, okay, okay, maybe he isn't doing such a bad job. They won 48 games. They won 20 24 road games last year. And then you have you know. Uh, definitely a start you didn't want to have. It's kind of like three years ago when they, they came on board, uh, Alvin Gentry, and the, they had the most injuries in NBA history. And uh, granted, this year hasn't been quite that bad, but it has been pretty significantly bad as far as injuries go. I'm not saying, I'm not defending and saying he should have a job here tomorrow, but I'm saying they had a, a, a team that I thought could compete for the playoffs. And do you blame the AD? I mean, the, the GM, excuse me, um, completely for that when – you look at the roster pieces, you know, they thought Rondo was going to come back. But when if Elfer Payton had been healthy, I know that there would have been several more wins there. They just didn't have the firepower to win. But the bottom line is this, it is about results, and this league is about results. So unless they got it turned around and made some miraculous run, his days are probably numbered. Jake? Yeah, I think he's going to have a job tomorrow. But it's, it's an interesting dynamic and an interesting scenario. You now have a guy who's potentially GMing for his job and his future in position to make important you know, deals for this franchise, and maybe he's not the best person to have do that at this point because you don't know if he's looking out for self-interest or for the best health of this franchise, the Pelicans, and that kind of puts them in a weird spot. But look, the NBA trade deadline is February 7th. We're less than two weeks away from that. You still have to have someone running this franchise to field trade calls because now it sounds like Nikola Mirotic, Etwan Moore, and Julius Randle are going to be on the block as well. And this team has turned from a buyer to a seller. You don't trust Mickey Loomis to do that. You don't trust anyone else to really do that with this organization. So someone's got to be there to navigate him through that doesn't mean that on February 8th you can't fire him and just tell him he's not allowed to trade Anthony Davis before that. Um, And I think that's maybe the way that this franchise would go. You know, you have to figure he's likely not going to be back last year. I think his tenure hasn't been particularly great. I think certainly he's gotten better over the couple of years, the past couple of years, and managed to get himself out of a bunch of mistakes that he made, which maybe kind of knocks those trades down a little bit when you look at them in hindsight. But again, there's a ton of blame to go around. The majority of it probably does go on Dell Demps, fair or unfair. That's just kind of the way it is. You know, but I certainly am not letting him make the Anthony Davis trade. But yeah, I'm letting him come into work tomorrow, and I'm not locking him out of the building. And and I've, I've echoed what you guys said in that blame deserves to be shared here to a lot of people. I've talked about this on my show in the face of some intense criticism by the Pelicans fan base when I said Anthony Davis needs a little accountability here. Same with Gentry and some of the other players. The Pelicans fan base tarred and feathered me. So I get it. But 
why in the world would this franchise not use this ultimate carrot dangling in front of some very smart basketball people's minds to say, you got a chance to come in here, execute one of the, let's be frank here, it would be one of the biggest trades, like Scott said, in NBA history and completely build this franchise back from the ground up to me. That seems like, again, the ultimate carrot you can dangle in front of some very smart and ingenious basketball minds to come in here, take either the GM job or the GM and president of basketball operations job and get Mickey Loomis to step back and completely reorganize things here. Scott, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I don't know if that was saying. That, that does sound attractive, but you are also a GM that's taken over. I mean, it becomes a little less attractive then. Uh, you can see what you can get, but Listen, let's be frank. You never get the value of the player you're giving up. I mean, it just rarely happens. You know, even uh, yeah, some would, some, you know, Dallas' first big deal actually, you know, probably wouldn't have been a bad one for Chris Paul. I'm quite frankly, when the NBA nixed that deal, I mean, it's better than the one they ended up getting from the Clippers. Uh, they were just trying to save face. But the one he made with the Lakers, you know, via Houston and Gordon Dragic and Obviously, some guys like that, Luis Scola, Kevin Martin, uh, Lamar Odom, who's hanging on to a career, but still, it uh, might have been better. But the fact is, is like you're coming in here now, and you're a GM. The, the key would be to at least try to get some high pick, but the teams that he wants to go to won't have a high pick. So the key now is do you trade him now to a Lakers team that's willing to probably unload a bunch of stuff? Or if you're smart, just wait till the summer. And see what the Celtics have to offer, because as we all know, they have tons of assets, tons of young players, draft picks, et cetera, like they seem like they've always had, and they've worked some good deals for themselves. Can the can the Pelicans be the beneficiaries of a couple of those good young players? I like Jason Tatum, you know, and they're more neighborhood performing like they expected him after his injury. But you throw some guys like them and maybe one of the, the draft picks, and who knows? But the fact is. That also becomes a little less bargaining power because if he gets traded now to a team, and we all know this, that they'd have two full playoff runs with Anthony Davis before he went to free agency instead of just one, as you'll have this. Yeah. Uh, Jake, what do you think here? No, I mean, they're doing that right now. You don't need to fire Dell Demps tomorrow to kind of dangle this job in front of other people. No one's expecting him to be back next year, and if he is, that's a colossal failure on this franchise, and you're going to see fans revolt. I think almost to save face, you've got to let him go. Whether or not you you like the Dell Demps tenure, think he's made good trades recently. It has not been a success. It's almost 80 games under 500, and Anthony Davis is requesting out. There's no way you can say this is a good uh, job well done here. Other GMs, uh, other up-and-coming guys who would become GMs know this. You know, they know that they're likely not going to trade Anthony Davis before the trade deadline. The, the team said as much in the statement that they put out today. They know they're going to be able to come in. They're going to pick where they want Anthony Davis to go or take the best offer available and do all of that. You still don't need to, tra- uh, to fire Dunham tomorrow to do it because, again, you need someone who can make a deal for a guy like Julius Randle, someone they should trade, or Nikola Mirotic if an offer comes through, and you don't want Mickey Loomis doing that. All right, it's Jake Madison of the Locked On Pelicans podcast. Uh, thanks, Jake. I heard you have to run. We're up against the news. Scott Alexander's coming back, though, of Primetime Sports on WLAE and CST in 60 seconds. Another half hour of our Pelicans roundtable discussing the Anthony Davis trade request and the, really the Pelicans imploding season here. You can text us at 504, uh, excuse me, at 870 You can give us a call at 504 260 That's area code 
1-877-867-1870. Scott, you brought up something there previously about the Pelicans being smart by possibly waiting to the summer. I agree there. I don't I don't think there's any reason to rush this, and you know why? And I think you know this, but just for our audience, you know why? The Celtics become a viable trading partner this summer. They, they, they're not right now because of some rules where they already acquired Kyrie Irving last year. So I think this summer makes more sense to me, Scott. Yeah, and I just clarified that myself because the true hardcore basketball fans know this thing with Kyrie Irving. The thing is, most most casual fans, and most of us are here in New Orleans, wouldn't know that. So when I said that about waiting the summer for the Celtics, it's because they can't make a deal until the end of the season. And we all know they have the most assets. And it's a strange rule, but uh, it's in it's in place here. So, yeah, I mean, unless you get to, they get completely pulled away, um, you know, blown away by by a uh, deal that they say let's just say the Lakers because we all know that LeBron wants him there. And, and quite frankly, look, if, if they're just going to offer a little combination of some of these players, they don't really have anybody that to me is going to be fantastic. But let's just say they did make a deal with them. I mean, you'd be looking at whatever draft picks they had. You'd be looking at Lonzo Ball, Kyle Kuzma, Brandon Ingram. And the thing about Brandon Ingram, he had so much potential, but I never really bought into him. And he and, and he is basically what I thought he'd be, just a guy. You know, there, there's some excitement there with, you know, having, you know, point guard like like a like Alonzo Ball. But I mean, how much better at this point is he than Alfred Payton? I think his upside certainly. <laughs> well, better. and he's got baggage with his family there, right? I don't know if I want to touch yeah. that family with a ten foot pole down in this market. Yeah, Kuzma was actually the best prospect of them all, is what I want to say. So yeah. Yeah, there you go. Okay, let's bring on in some callers here. Joe and Mandeville, you got a question here, man. Oh, Scotty boy. How's it going? Hey, Ben. Real quick. It's been a while, brother. It has been. Sorry about your Georgia Congrats Bulldogs. Congrats on your Longhorns. Real, <laughs> <laughs> real quick, real quick. Uh, and I'm just curious about the timing. What prompted this announcement? What triggered it? Because I can't figure it out. Surely they're not going to be able to trade him in two weeks. Well, just the fact that they're out of the playoffs now. I think there was still some hope. You know, I mean, I, I even had hope before this, before Monday, actually, when they beat well, the Grizzlies, and I knew they would. I, pre- I predicted two and three on their road trip after they had been playing some ball. But now, I think the writing's on the wall. You had three big guys out. They, they, nobody really completely expected they beat OKC, but you should beat Detroit if you're at full strength, and they weren't. But you should beat San Antonio, particularly when they don't have. Uh, you know, DeMar DeRozan plan. But when you lost these three and then you see the schedule, I think it's like, get it now. Business starts 8 a.m. Monday morning. Get it out now. So the people that work all week, instead of getting out on Thursday, they have one, you know, of course they work during the week. But I'm just saying, <laughs> figuratively and theoretically, you know, get it out early. And I know that's why they did it. And I know because now that they're pretty much officially out, this was the time to do it. Because, they listen, it's one thing if they, they beat, San Antonio, that's you're four games under. Well, now you're six. Okay, now you're pretty much even the most optimistic dude in town, and that's me, has written them off, right? Yep. So when that's the case, uh, yeah, I think all all signs pointed. Let's do it out now. We're going to do them a favor if they can do something before the break. And I know you. I mean, we can call, you know, his new agent what he is an agent, but he's basically a mouthpiece for piece for LeBron. I mean, he's LeBron's guy. He grew up with him and the whole deal. So. I know LeBron's like, hey, get it out there now because if we do it later, the Celtics, and I say we, meaning his group, which Anthony Davis is now part of, Rich Paul and all of them, uh, the Celtics, we, they know that the Celtics have a lot more assets, but if you get it now, the Lakers themselves say, hey, 
you know, you can, we can give you a lot right now because we can get two playoffs. So then LeBron knows he needs help to go to the playoffs. And right now they're, they're boarding on the edge of that, even if he comes back. So that's why the timing is right now. Okay. So, so Anthony Dave, we know this guy. If, phenomenally talented he's still only 25 he's just entering what i think is the peak of his career which will probably be for the next decade or so but i just wonder if he's one of those guys like a kevin durant like some other really great nba all-timers and this is not a dig i think this is just reality in this sport where he needs to coexist with another super superstar he can't be the guy and i think we've seen that here he just doesn't elevate the players around him and uh, maybe he'll develop that, but this is one of the reasons why I, I just think his time here is done, Scotty. He just completely failed to elevate the guys around him, in my mind. It's it's very few that really do that. I mean, that do it really well, but that take so much attention off themselves, and they play both sides of the court. I mean, I, you know, I, I think of just the greatest. I mean, right now, if obviously LeBron did it. Yep. Kobe did it to an extent, but not really, honestly. I mean, Jordan, of course, did it. I thought his say, I thought Kobe's second run he did. I know he had Gasol there, yeah. but that was that was pretty much Kobe's team, right? Yeah, no question. But the, the fact is that some guys like – I mean, Durant, I, I, we haven't seen him with anything but a superstar. So, I mean, he had like, – shoot, he had Harden and right. and Westbrook at one point. But, I mean, mostly Westbrook over there. And then, obviously, he's had – Tons of help, and so I, I jury's out on this one. I'd like to see him on a team, but not much else, just to see what happens. But the fact is, Anthony Davis, it's harder for a big guy because you don't control the ball. I mean, how many guys that are big guys do make everybody else better? Because they're not the guy. They're going to get the ball. They're getting fed the ball. Usually, it's guys that at least have the ball in the front. I mean, in the, in the backcourt, or at least a wing guy that can take the ball up. That makes everybody better because you're dishing to them. You're making it better for them. You're taking the pressure off them. But, you know, Anthony Davis is a fantastic player. He's going to be one of the greatest of all time. Um, and I'm not taking anything away from his skills. I will take, except for the three-month run uh, towards the after Boogie got hurt, maybe even a little over two months, uh, there's, no, there's been no real leadership from him. And I'm not taking a jab at him because I love the kid. I mean, I love his – but listen, I've been saying I was saying that and it was unpopular to say it. People said that I don't get on the team and talk about the players. It's not true. I was really down on him for a while in his career about body language, uh, about not taking the leadership role like he should. And when I saw him change that last year and put this team on his back, you know, uh, it, the team had so much momentum and rolling. And then, you know, tons of injuries this year, including himself. And every time they seem to start off that poorly, it just keeps on going that way. And I know last year they didn't even start off right. They were still 20 and 20 in early January, but the fact is they made that run. And that's what I was kind of hoping for this year, although we know it's not going to go. But your, your, your points are valid. Yeah. Everything well, you just said doesn't make them better. Yeah. Just, just shelve AD and get as many ping pong balls as you can in that lottery this summer, which is going to be big too. Uh, let's squeeze in a call here. Tom in home. You got a question for uh, Scott and I. Uh, go ahead, Tom. All right. Thank you so very much for having me in here. Um, I was asking a question about some things that I had read on Twitter today. Uh, namely, I've heard one quote wherein uh, someone had said that Drew Holiday had made the comment that the 90% of the reason he uh, re-signed with New Orleans was because of AD. And I think there was a big insinuation in that tweet that, you know, he may be on the block as well. Then suddenly, uh, Nico Miritich, uh has a tweet saying something to the effect of life is beautiful, and I hope that's all he meant by it. But uh, at the same time, there are many who kind of speculate that that means that he too is looking about 
uh, moving away or whatever. So, like, I'm wondering, does this mean, like, they're totally breaking up the Beatles? Uh, where's the ground floor on this? And I'll Good. let you all speak to that. Yeah, Thank you very much. Yeah, thanks for the call, Tom. Very good question there. Scott, what do you say? It's very possible. I mean, this this could be a total makeshift makeover. I mean, listen, uh, you know, that's a huge contract Drew has. I mean, he's he's earned it. I mean, there's no doubt about it. But, I mean, you're right. Why would he have signed back? And this, this goes to the point that I'm trying to tell you. New Orleans is not a destination, and it kills me to say it because people that know me know how much I love my city, but I've been around the NBA since 93. In one way or the other, pretty much less here than anywhere else, but I've been involved producing games, sideline reporting, being an agent. been around, and New Orleans ain't the place people want to go. Drew stayed mainly. I mean, not even mainly. He stayed for AD and Boogie. I mean, Boogie's the one that talked him into it, too, making calls after call, and Boogie ended up having his injury. So anybody wants to tell me injuries didn't play a part in this whole thing, because Boogie would be here. Okay, let's be honest. Boogie would be here. Make no bones about that. And I'm not saying how good they'd be, but injuries have played a part in this whole run. And I'm not saying anybody needs to get let off the hook, whether you're a coach or a GM or a player. But, I mean, and I know all teams have injuries, but put any team, and I mean any team, that has dealt with the injuries that this staff has had the last few years and how I will laugh at whatever you put up because I know it's not even close. And that's not to take blame or deflection away. It's just a fact. And I keep trying to tell people this. You take players off of a basketball team that matter, particularly their best ones, well, it's going to matter. Your backups in the NBA, particularly when you pay these top guys money, you're not, they're not going to be as nearly as good. And uh, in football, you can over- overcome most of it because you have so many different guys that, that that matter on the football field, 22 starters to five in basketball. So it is what it is. But now you're going to try to do what's best for your franchise in the future. If you want to just start over, I wouldn't be totally against it. I, I You know, part of me would, would not like it because obviously you're going to be, you know, instead of being a 500 team, you're probably going to be a team that wins 20 to 30 games at best. But it is what it is. You start over, and maybe you can get this thing back on. But I hate to even say that word because I hate it. But, you know, I can't blame Drew Holiday if he would demand a trade. I mean, why would you? But, it, um, you know, between those guys and, uh, yeah, Nico, he's going to be a free agent. So, and, and why would, he's going to want more money than he probably deserves. And he's not, not a guy that you can carry a team by himself. So, unless you have Drew and Nico back in the fold, because you know Julius Randle probably isn't staying either. Um, it's going to be tough to sell this place on anybody, really. Scott Alexander of Primetime Sports on WLAE and CST. We'll take a break. More of your calls coming back at 504-260-1870. The text line is 870-870. Lots of stuff still to discuss around Anthony Davis and his request for a trade from the Pelicans. Rocked the sports world today, and yeah, the epicenter of that sports world still in New Orleans, even after the NOLA no-call stuff dies down. Seth Dunlap, Tim Zimmer here. It's the last lap on WWL. Ah, yes, Anthony Davis informing the Pelicans' front office that he will not sign any contract extension with the team, whether it's this summer or in the future, and he is requesting a trade out of here. And, again, that's what the sports world has been talking about it uh, today. And we're talking about it this hour with Scott Alexander of Primetime Sports, taking your calls as well at the numbers you just heard if you want to get uh, on in here. Let's talk about the front office here, Scott, of this Pelicans franchise. What I wrote today, and really I've talked about this, I think, with you a few times here, is the way that this front office is structured just – I, I, I had a hard time believing it was going to work. I had a hard time for a long time thinking it was going to work. And if anything, 
to me, this proves that they have to restructure this in a more traditional way. This this experiment of having just an incredible crossover between the Saints front office and the Pelicans front office, I think, has been an abject failure, Scott. But I'm I'm curious to know what you think on this. It's it's a unique situation. Okay, I mean, it's I don't think the Benson wanted to buy the Pelicans. Okay, I think they did it to save the Pelicans or anything. I mean, I think they were doing the city a solid after you know. The city sticking with the Saints. I mean, you weren't here when before Katrina, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna say this. I mean, the Saints probably wouldn't have been here without Katrina. I mean, I hate to even say it, but that's a fact. I mean, the city was really down on Benson because he was trying to move it to San Antonio even before all that happened. They played those games right after Katrina. So when they bought it, you know, now everybody besides the Super Bowl win loves Tom Benson. And, you know, and I'm great because Tom's a great man. And I'm, I'm, I'm glad that they, they had that feeling for him. But when they when they got the team, they put a, a GM in place the first time. And then, you know, they trust Mickey. That's the thing. They trust him. And Mickey's not uh, making any personal decisions. I mean, he's just a guy that has to check off on the business side of this. So, and I'm not defending them again. But I'm just from everybody why they did what they did with the – front office of the Pelicans. I mean, you know, it's strange, but you did have a GM. You can say Mickey's the GM, but he he isn't. He's just the numbers guy. He's not even really the personnel guy with the Saints. I mean, he's a guy. Okay, well, let me, stop, let me stop you there. Character. And I, I agree with you there. I'm agreeing with everything you say, uh, but I, that, I guess that begs the question is, then, then why are they running their NBA franchise like that? Whether they wanted to buy him or didn't want to buy him or whoever's involved and in, in, part of the Benson's inner circle, I get that. But why in the world are you running a decade into this thing an NBA franchise like it's you know afternoon daycare and just leaving them to be while you run your Saints franchise? I, it's a disservice to the to everybody who's employed, it, to my mind, yeah. in, in that franchise. Yeah, I mean it's it's, it's what is it six seven years? I think it's about seven years since they got it. Um, yeah, and I mean when did Mickey actually really come on board with it? I don't think it was right away, was it? I, I agree. I agree. But here's the thing. Tom Benson was dying for five years. We know this, right? Which was kind of why they made deals. Like, people forget the Drew Holiday trade was really because, hey, we don't have time to wait for, like, a Nerlens Noel to develop, if he ever will, which he didn't. You know, let's make deals for these younger veterans and, you know, bring in guys that, you know, you think might help. And you got the very best you could get. And that's the point I'm trying to make to New Orleans. I'm just, once again, everybody thinks I'm trying to defend what, the GM and all them did, but it's like, this is not a destination. Everybody's like, you should have gotten this guy. You should have gotten that guy. Well, guess what? They have to want to come for you to get them. Uh, and it's just, it's just hard for me to listen to both sides because people all think they know what is available and what could have happened if they were the GM. They're crazy. It's just, it's just not, it was, it wasn't the card. So I was actually impressed that they were able to convince some guys. Yeah. You had to overpay for dudes. Some of them, Obviously, didn't work out. We know those names. They got Ashik because they need. He led the league in rebounds per minute right before they re-signed him. You know, he was he was backing up. He sucked after they signed him. I get it. Same thing with uh, Agenza. He was showing potential. You got him for six million a year. Yeah, that deal sucked. Yeah, but at the time you needed some big guys because AD didn't want to play center. So that's all that was available. So obviously, uh, you know the three uh, Solomon Hill. Well, the deal was not good, but. You had to overpay because to get him, he was the best. 
And oh, we just we lost Scott there, but let's go to the phone lines here. Wayne and St. Tammany, I know you got a question here or a comment about this Anthony Davis uh, uh, news. Wayne, go ahead. Yeah, on the front office of business end, as difficult as this is going to be for Gentry and Demps, can you imagine how difficult it's going to be for the next year or two for the ticket sales account managers? Yeah, I can't even imagine. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's, it's it's a good point here, Wayne. Yeah, if you didn't think anybody were going to the Pelican games before, wait till after this. And you'll have the basketball diehards. You'll have Scott and myself in the stands there watching this rebuild and toiling through, but the casual fans are not going to show up, and that's just the sad reality here. we got one more segment with Scott Alexander. We'll take a break. We'll come back and put a bow on this Pelicans roundtable next here on The Last Lap. Well, Scott Alexander mentioned San Antonio, and we all know that Tom Benson was thinking about taking the Saints that direction and using that city as leverage. Well, Scott, I would say if you look at that city, maybe there's a blueprint there for how you can win in a, in a smallish, medium-sized market in the NBA, and that's develop homegrown talents, um, use free agency to bring in pieces to surround that talent that you develop, and maybe you can win here and I just wonder now if maybe they've got the smell and salts put under their nose and they'll wake up and, and realize, like you've said many times, and I completely agree with you, that you just can't lure and you can't build through free agency in this market. It's time to keep the Buddy Heels and the Nerlens Noels and try to develop out of the draft, Scott. There's no doubt. That's how you win the NBA. The Spurs have been the best at that, probably in any sport as a small market. Green Bay Packers did the same thing in football. I mean, I, I know they've, they've had some struggles lately, but they you'd never hear of them ever getting free agents. I mean, Jimmy Graham was like the first bigger one I can remember in years, like, you know, back in the day, Reggie White. But my point is building through the draft, letting the young guys develop is ideal. And the, the Pelicans were put under a less than ideal situation when you had a, you know, you're trying to win for an owner that was, uh, you know, getting up in age, and, and we knew that his days were limited. And, you know, and for five years, that was what happened. And, and now you, you listen, and, and I hate that he passed away, but now you're in a new new era. It's Gail Benson. She's forward-thinking, and whatever happens with the staff that she keeps or brings on, I think that's going to be the way they do it. That's why I think it is important not only to get some young talent in this deal that you do, but to get draft picks, and draft picks that matter. And that's that's what's going to be the toughest thing. Because you do hold all the cards, by the way. Yep. You know, we finally have leverage in this situation because, yay, Anthony Davis's crew can say all they want about trade him and trade me to a contender, but you have the right to do it. He has no no trade clause. If he goes to a team that decides to give us some 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 valuable picks that we think, and maybe get a Zion Williamson somehow, I don't know. So be it. He'll just have to go through his contract and and. and you know, opt out when he wants to opt out in a year and a half. So it is what it is, but I agree. You know, now there are no excuses about trying just to get free agents to build a team or young veterans. Cause I, I thought considering that's what the strategy he was probably given, Hey, I want to win now. Then uh, I think that he didn't do a bad job of doing that. So now it's a different scenario, whether it's him or whoever else is a GM, you know, get the young assets and, and win that way. 
Here's a text from the 504. Once they trade AD, what is the selling point for this franchise? And, and that kind of brings up Gail Benson again. And she made comments after Tom uh, passed away that she was committed to the Pelicans and having them here in New Orleans. And, and we're going to take her at her word for that. I know uh, you are too, Scott. But is there any concern about the stability of the franchise here in New Orleans after AD? I'd be lying if I said there wasn't. I mean, I've always been concerned about it. You know, I was one of the kids that was just crushed when the New Orleans Jazz left after five years. So, listen, Gail is a tremendous lady. I mean, tremendous human being, man of her, woman of her word. I mean, she's, she's let's just say, I mean, facts change over years. I'm not, you know, I mean, at some point, is she going to say, is this a viable thing for us if we do this? I mean, I mean, what's she going to make on a deal with, you know, maybe it's Seattle or, I mean, it could be, you know, Two billion? Who knows? A billion, at least. You brought you know, up. Let me let me interject here, Scott. Just for everybody listening, you bring up Seattle there, which I think is an interesting parallel because when Howard Schultz owned uh, the former chairman of Starbucks, who is back in the news, by the way, he's apparently going to run for president. But when yeah. he owned the Sonics, he said verbatim, just like Gail, "I'm committed to the city. The Sonics aren't going anywhere." Well, that was true. The problem was he was looking for buyers on the side, and he sold the team, and then the owner, Clay Bennett, wasn't committed to the city. So I, I am a little concerned that Gail could be completely selling the truth, but maybe you know, she and her partners uh, in the ownership group and in the front office realize, hey, a lot of value if you want to sell this team now, Gail, now's the time to do it. Well, that's what I'm trying to say, exactly, without, without making her seem like she's a uh, turncoat, you know, because – who knows? I mean, listen, we they, we don't get the good crowds here in New Orleans except when they go to the playoffs. I mean, that, that's a fact. I've lived in a town that was doing the same thing with the Atlanta. They were, they didn't get good crowds either. Uh, but it, you've seen that that place can get good crowds because they sell out the, the the soccer. Well, New Orleans gets good crowds with the Saints. But, listen, I want an NBA team. Basketball, as you know, is my favorite sport. I want them to be here. I mean, I'm, it's going to kill me again that if they don't if they do leave. But you asked me – is it a concern? Yeah, it's obviously a concern. It's always in the back of my head. Um, and I, I hope it doesn't happen, but to say it's impossible would be foolhardy. <laughs> you yeah. know, seriously, it could always happen. Yeah, hey, I, I lived through it once. You, you and I both have lived through it here. Our, our team's getting ripped away from us yeah. once. And we, yeah. <laughs> where were the two I, was 14. I wasn't even 14. I was 13. I remember how I missed six games, maybe eight, and out of 205 in a five-year stretch as a kid. From nine to like eight to four, thirteen, I guess it was hard, yeah. and I, I would hate it for the young kids. And I always get here, and I, I'm even getting texts tonight. You know, does this mean you know? Would you be happy if the Pelicans go back to Seattle? Hell, no. I am so empathetic to fan bases, Scott, who've gotten their teams. And hopefully, we're just you know speculating here. None of this happens. Right. But yeah, hell, yeah, exactly. I mean, it's, it would just be devastating. But Scott, we're up against the break, man. But. I always appreciate the conversation. I know you and I are going to have this one um, probably quite a bit now until real any quick, trade is done. I want to tell people one thing real quick. Gonola yeah. Gold, man, they got thrilling 36-31 victory this past Saturday. They play again at two. We have four straight home games. Please come out and support this major league team. The other thing, tomorrow I'm talking about winners tomorrow. Number one ranked LSU. we got Paul Maneri on the show. We got we have John Brady who calls the LSU basketball games. Former Final Four LSU coach going to talk all about LSU basketball, and then we're going to have two of those international Nola Gold players. So check the show tomorrow at seven on CST and six on WLAE. Thank you, Seth, for the opportunity. You bet. I'll be in those audiences, buddy. There you go, Scott Alexander, host of Primetime Sports on WLAE and CST, the COO of Nola Gold Rugby, and you can find him on Twitter 
at D. Scott Alexander. Our Blue Runner Foods opinion poll, should the Pelicans trade Anthony Davis before the trade deadline on February 7th? 59% say no. 41% say yes. So the majority with Scott and I, more leverage this summer. I think with the Celtics entering the market, you will have more leverage. One more hour of the program to go. Don't go anywhere. Seth Dunlap, Tim Zimmer here on The Last Lap. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.